This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Lamb Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Lamb Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 159. So, being today is Sunday, June 13th, 2021. As usual, I'm covering the weekly news and rumors roundup from the big four rumor sites of Canon Rumors, Nikon Rumors, Fuji Rumors, and Sony Alpha Rumors. So let's head on over to Canon Rumors for this week and see what they have in store for us. Let's do this! All right, first up, after the Canon EOS R3, Canon will introduce new, quote, affordable RF mount cameras. Now, this is a Canon Rumors 1, which means there's no real uh, confirmed source information or anything like that. The Canon EOS R3 is getting all the talk right now, and for good reason. The new camera will become Canon's flagship RF mount camera until we see an EOS R1 late next year at the earliest. I have been told that after the EOS R3 begins and whenever supply chain issues are corrected, Canon will focus on the lower end of the RF mount lineup. A replacement for the Canon EOS RP is coming. This will obviously be the new entry-level camera for the RF lineup. Pricing for this camera will be aggressive. The RF mount APS-C sensor-equipped Unicorn is also, quote, in the pipeline. It will sit above the EOS RP replacement in price and will be the smallest camera in the RF mount lineup. Reading between the lines, it doesn't appear that an APS-C RF mount camera will be the EOS 7D series replacement. A lot of people were hoping for. I could have read into this wrong, but that's the way it feels at the moment. I personally think that an RF mount replacement for the EOS M6 Mark II or EOS M5 would be a bigger seller in the current market than a mirrorless 7D series camera. As for a direct replacement for the EOS R, that doesn't seem to be something that will happen. Though I do imagine there will be a full-frame shooter between the RP replacement and the R6 in price, I just haven't heard anything about such a camera. Now, I do have to agree with a lot of the points in this particular article. Uh, we've already heard rumors for a while now that Canon's working on APS-C RF mount bodies, which makes sense. I personally think they should stop wasting their time and resources and money on producing an RF series of lenses and RF-S. I think when they did that with the E-mount lenses, it was a total waste of time and resources, but that's just me. Um, I do believe that there will be an RP replacement that's going to be at a lower price point than the RP started out at. Now, the RP started out at like $1,000 or maybe, no, I think it was $1,200 when it first came out. Um, but there's a lot of scuttlebutt that Canon's next entry-level RF mount mirrorless full-frame body is going to be sub $1,000. And I think that's very logical. I think it's very practical for them to go that route because they're going to want to stick it to the other companies as much as they can and keep themselves competitive in this heavily, heavily aggressive market that's constantly shrinking as far as camera sales and stuff like that is concerned. 
Um, I also agree, I don't think they're going to do a replacement for the EOS R. We already have the R5 and the R6. The R5, of course, is the mirrorless equivalent of the 5D line from the DSLR side. Uh, so we're good there. The R6, in my opinion, is already the replacement for the R. It doesn't have as big a sensor, but it has more capabilities than the R, and it has the dual card slots. It has the 20 frames per second, um, and I'm perfectly happy with the fact that my R6 only has a 20.1 megapixel sensor. As I've said in previous episodes, I had the 1DX Mark II, and I was getting fantastic results with that 20.1 megapixel sensor. I didn't see a need for Canon to go to a higher megapixel sensor on the R6. I think it is perfectly fantastic the way it is. It makes amazing images. It has the speed and agility and the capabilities of the uh, of the uh, 1DX line. It can be used as a sports camera, which is extremely handy, and it's a very great camera. There's no two ways about it. Um, so I do agree. I don't think they're going to do a replacement for the R. Um, not a direct replacement. I don't think they're going to do like an EOS R Mark II. They're not going to do an RP Mark II. Um, Canon doesn't seem to be interested in doing that with their mirrorless bodies like Nikon is. And I'm totally fine with that. Uh, the current naming convention that they're using, you know, the R5, the R6, the R3, the R1, I'm totally fine with all that. The R3 threw me off a little bit. Um, I'm not sure why they did that because they never had a 3 series DSLR. Um, they did have the 1 series, of course, and they had the 5D series in the DSLR world as well as the 6D series. So the R5, R6, R1, all of that makes sense. But like I said, we're going to have to wait and see what happens, see if they are going to come out with some sort of not Mark II replacement for the EOS R, or if they're just going to leave things well enough alone the R will eventually be discontinued and they'll just continue on with these other bodies and other designs that they're working on along with all the new technology that's pertaining to all of these new cameras. And to me, that just makes a lot more sense. But again, we'll have to wait and see. Next up, this is what caused Canon to pull the firmware version 1.3.2 for the Canon EOS 5D Mark IV. A couple of weeks ago, Canon released firmware 1.3.2 for the 5D Mark IV. It was a minor firmware update, but earlier this week, Canon pulled the firmware. The exact reason Canon pulled it was unknown at the time. A Canon Rumors reader has sent me a communication from Canon USA that explains why the firmware was pulled from Canon USA. Quote, firmware version 1.3.2 caused a phenomenon when using the self-timer shooting 10 seconds with the electronic sound set to on, where the timer will repeat for 10 to 3 seconds and it never actually shoots the self-portrait. This firmware version has been removed from our website and a current fix is being implemented. This fix is expected to be released in the first half of June. There is not an exact release date available at this time. 
So it turns out 1.3.2 for the 5D Mark IV cameras uh, did have a bug in it with the self timer, um, which I, you know, I don't know if the self timer is used a whole lot, but I know Canon doesn't like to have little ghosts in their gremlins in the machine, if you will. Uh, so it is great that they went ahead and pulled that while they worked out a fix for that bug that was created by the new firmware. Uh, good job, Canon. Keep up the great work. Next up, NBC Olympics selects Canon as their field and studio lens provider for the Tokyo Games. Canon to assist ABC, or I'm sorry, NBC Olympics in providing viewers with outstanding 4K UHD and HD picture quality during its coverage of the Tokyo Olympics. Uh, this is a press release from Stanford, Connecticut, June 7th, 2021. NBC Olympics, the division of the NBC Sports Group, has selected Canon USA Inc., a leader in digital imaging solutions, to provide a wide variety of 4K, UHD, and HD field, portable, and studio lenses for its production of the games of the 32nd Olympiad, which take place in Tokyo, Japan from July 23rd to August 8th. The announcement was made today by Chip Adams, VP of Venue Engineering, NBC Olympics, and Kazuto Ogawa, President and CEO of Canon USA, Inc. A broad array of Canon broadcast lenses will be used, including the UHD Digi Super 90 long zoom field lens, which provides outstanding 4K UHD imagery. Canon's 4K and HD lenses will be at every venue and studio in Tokyo, allowing viewers to see NBC Olympics' presentation of all the action. In addition, Canon has service technicians will be on site in Tokyo to ensure that every piece of equipment is in peak operating condition at all times. Quote, we are honored to once again be able to showcase our finest broadcast digital imaging solutions and to be chosen as the broadcast lens provider for NBC Olympics, said Kazuto Ogawa, President and CEO of Canon USA, Inc. Quote, with today's multi-format camera systems, Canon has shown that it has that it is on the forefront of providing advanced optics for today's UHD and HDR capable cameras, which we are utilizing at the Olympic Games, said Adams. Quote, the images, equipment, and the support we receive from Canon are always exceptional, and we look forward to partnering with them again for the Tokyo Olympics, end quote. So again, this isn't something that's all that surprising or shocking to me, because Canon has made very, very high-quality broadcast lenses and camera bodies for a long time. They're definitely one of the leaders in that technology, in that space of technology when it comes to broadcast equipment. So no shock there. Good job, Canon. Keep up the great work and keep all those fans that love to watch the Olympics happy with your super high quality broadcast lenses. And last up from Canon Rumors for this week, apparently it was a short news week for them. Uh, save those pennies. A Canon EF 1200mm F56L USM is coming up for auction. If you've been saving your money for some RF lenses that you can't get your hands on due to the manufacturing issues around the world, that may turn out to be for the best. Wetzlar Camera Auctions will have a Canon EF 1200mm F56L USM up for auction starting on October 9th, 2021. How much will this lens fetch at auction? Well, that's kind of tough to predict at the moment, but the EF 1200mm F56L USM has sold a few times for more 
than $150,000 U.S. dollars in the past. The Canon EF 1200mm 5.6 was released in July of 93 as a built-to-order lens and retailed for around $100,000. The number of these lenses out there is unknown, but it has been hypothesized that there are less than 20 of these lenses in existence. A Canon EF 1200mm 5.6 took about a year to build once it was ordered, as Canon could only manufacture about two of these a year because of the time required to form fluoride crystals. Uh, this super telephoto lens has the longest focal length of an interchangeable lens for an AF SLR camera at the time. Silent and fast autofocus is realized using a ring, USM, or ultrasonic motor and rear focusing system. Extremely sharp, professional quality images are realized through the use of the two large diameter artificial crystal fluorite lens elements, the third and the sixth elements, that thoroughly eliminate the secondary spectrum. Although the optical design is the same as the FD 1200mm F56L prototype, this lens is optimized for the EF system with a nonlinear focus cam for moving the focusing lens group. A focus preset function for quick focusing at a predeterminate point and a power manual focusing with three focusing speeds. A one-touch revolving mechanism for quick switching between vertical and horizontal formats is possible. Extenders EF1.4X and 2X transforms this lens into a manual focus super, super telephoto 1700 F8 or 2400 millimeter F11 lens. Now, as I said, this lens was originally marketed on Jul in July of 93. The original price was <laughs> 9,800,000 yen with a uh, case and hood. Lens construction, 10 uh, elements, or no, 10 groups, 13 elements. Number of diaphragm blades was 8. Minimum aperture of 32. Closest focusing distance was 14 meters. Maximum magnification, 0 0.09. Filter diameter in millimeters was 48. Maximum diameter times uh, length uh, is 228 by 836 millimeters, and the weight was 16,500 grams. Yeah, this beast was not a light lens to be lugging around <laughs> taking pictures. Uh, so, if you've been wanting to get your hands on a $150,000 plus 1200mm lens, Now's your chance. This coming fall, another one will be up for sale. All right, now we're going to head on over to Nikon Rumors to see what they have for us for this week. First up, Nikon Nikkor Z MC Macro Mirrorless Lenses Additional Coverage. And there's a lot of images here of the new macro lenses, the MC105 and the MC50. Um, some impressive sample images as well, taken with both lenses. Uh, very nice. They, they did a nice job with these two macro lenses. The two new Nikkor ZMC macro mirrorless lenses are now available for pre-order. The Nikkor ZMC 105mm f2.8 VRS is available in the U.S. at Adorama, B&H Photo, and Amazon. In the U.K. at Wex and Park Cameras. In Denmark at Calumet and Photo Earnhardt and in Canada at Camera Canada. And the exact same for the MC 50mm f2.8, both lenses available from the same retailers in those same countries. 
Next up, Nikon continues to discontinue Nikkor F-mount lenses. Nikon is slowly discontinuing Nikkor F-mount lenses, and many products are still out of stock. The latest casually spotted by mirrorless camera info is the Nikon AFS Micro Nikkor 60mm f2.8G ED lens for the F-mount. It is already listed as discontinued on the official Nikon Japan website, and it is out of stock at both Adorama and B&H Photo. Now, this lens was $596.95, so it wasn't a super expensive lens. And I have some Nikon friends, uh, Nikon shooting friends, that actually really like this lens uh, for macro photography. Uh, so, it looks like it's been discontinued. If you're lucky, maybe you can find one if you're still interested in acquiring one for any macro photography work, but... Uh, like I've said before in previous episodes, it's not surprising that Canon and Nikon are discontinuing a lot of their EF and their F-mount lenses in favor of their new RF and Z-mount mirrorless stuff. No shock there at all. Next up, is this the rumored Nikon Z retro mirrorless camera? A reader sent me this picture of what appears to be the rumored Nikon Z retro mirrorless camera. Everything we see in the above picture matches the previously room reported rumors. Thin DF-inspired camera body without a hand grip and, me and mechanical dials. For comparison, here is the Nikon DF. What do you think? And of course, as usual, all of these articles can be found in the show notes for this episode so that my listeners can check them out for themselves. All right, now I'm going to take a short break and then I'll be back to continue on with Nikon rumors for this week. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191, and you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com, and you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back and continuing with Nikon Rumors. 12 different lens combination possibilities with the TechArt TZM01 adapter, which is readily available on both Amazon and eBay. In most cases, two adapters were used, the TZM01 and the KF lens-specific adapter, and the two adapters were stacked. I'm not sure if I'd be crazy about trying that, but... Using these combinations, it is possible to get the TZM01 plus the KFLM2890, the 01 with the KFNFM, the KFLRM, the OMM, the FDM, the KF42M2, the KFCYM2, the KFSRM2, the KFPKM2, the KFEFM2, the KFN. GM, the KFAAM, and the KF exam. And you can check out also similar identical 
the Megadap MTZ11 adapter, which is extremely similar to the TechArt adapter. Uh, so just some possible uh, combinations that you can do on your Nikon cameras with those adapters. Next up, Nikon NX Field Remote Shooting System. A single photographer can operate 11 cameras from different angles. Wow. Okay. In addition to the new lenses, last week Nikon also announced the new NX Field Remote Shooting System. In addition to the press release and the NPS site UK link, Nikon also published a more detailed article describing the new NX Field. Quote, images from the remote cameras let us see things from different angles. Or dramatic angles, I'm sorry. Uh, the technology behind them used to suffer from difficult setup and unreliable operation. Developed from an AFP idea through the Nikon engineering, the NX field system is a problem-solving technology that will make a turning point in the growth of remote shooting. It allows the single photographer to reliably operate up to 11 cameras at different angles. A new era begins with the NX field system. You can reliably release shutters, change camera settings, and send important pictures faster, all done remotely. Remote shooting with minimized time lag expands photographer's vision and future imaging possibilities. The NX field user manual can be found at the accompanying link. Here is some additional information on the new service. This service will only be provided by authorized Nikon service centers and they will begin to accept the camera cameras starting from 17th of June 2021 for the D5 and D6. Additional notes regarding the service. Camera firmware will be updated to the latest available version at the time of upgrade service. This service is non-transferable and is performed once for each camera. If you require the service to be performed for another camera, a separate request must be issued for the camera and service is chargeable. So it is interesting. <laughs> I don't know if I'd want the responsibility of manning 11 simultaneous cameras, but hey, I can see where it could definitely come in handy for some professional sports, the Olympics, stuff like that. So my hat uh, is off to Nikon for pulling this off. And last up from Nikon rumors for this week, Adobe released Tethered Live View for Nikon cameras in Lightroom Classic. Now, this article is from June 8th, 2021. Today, Adobe announced their June 2021 photography releases, including Tethered Live View for Nikon cameras in Lightroom Classic. Here are the details. Tethered Live View for Nikon Lightroom Classic. Photographers using tethered capture aren't always in reach of their viewfinder when capturing that perfect shot. With Live View, you can now see your camera's real-time real feed in Lightroom Classic to nail your composition, focus, and exposure settings. This feature is especially valuable when collaborating with teams behind the screen. Tethered Live View is now available for certain Nikon cameras. See the complete list of supported cameras at the accompanying link. So that is definitely uh, some great news, especially for uh, Nikon shooters that do a lot of studio work where they do tethered capture. Uh, I would definitely love to have that functionality. I'm not sure if that's possible on my Canon cameras. I haven't uh, even hooked up my camera to, to attempt a tethered shoot forever. Uh, so I don't know, but it would definitely be cool to actually be able to get the live view from your rear LCD in Lightroom when you're doing tethered capture. That would definitely be very, very interesting. And I can see how it could definitely make work easier. And now we're headed on over to Fuji rumors for this week. 
First up, DP Review TV, Fujifilm X-T4, Sony A6600, Canon M6 Mark II, Nikon Z50 Shootout. Fujifilm easily dominates APS-C, except for, and there is an accompanying YouTube video that you can check out in the show notes. You can see the video above and read the summary below. In short, there is no competition. It makes no sense to even try to compare anything APS-C related to Fujifilm right now. It is hands down the best APS-C choice and dominates in basically every area except one, autofocus. To be clear, it focuses great, all cameras in this shootout do, but where it is not on par with Sony and Canon so far, it's autofocus tracking. The handling, the Fujifilm X-T4, good grip, nice dial execution. You can still use it like a DSLR via front and back dial, lots of versatility. Uh, is number one. Number two is the Nikon Z50, three is the Canon M6 Mark II, and in fourth place is the Sony A6600. For displays, the Fujifilm X-T4, best display, touchscreen with full articulation, nice EVF. Second place is the Nikon Z50, third is the Canon, and fourth is the Sony again. All cameras have very good autofocus. The Sony is number one with the A6600. Canon M6 Mark II is number two. The Fujifilm X-T4, very much improved AF, especially face and eye AF, performs very well. The tracking is not as sticky, though. And in fourth place is the Nikon Z50. Image quality, number one, the Fujifilm X-T4. Love 26 megapixel sensor, good low light performance and dynamic range, fast readout with minimal rolling shutter, which makes electronic shutter more useful. Great JPEGs and film simulations, Xtran does not play very nice with Adobe software, but DP Review TV uses Capture One, and that works great. Number two is the Canon M6 Mark II, three is the Sony A6600, and in fourth place is the Nikon Z50. For battery life, number one is the Sony A6600, number two is the Fujifilm X-T4 with the NP-W235 battery with USB-C charging. In third place is the Nikon Z50, and in fourth place is the Canon M6 Mark II. For video, Fujifilm X-T4, killer video camera, in internal 10-bit recording, 4K 60p, IBIS fully articulating screen, Eterna profile, USB-C dongle for headphones, by far the best camera. Second place is the Sony A6600, third is the Nikon, and fourth is the Canon. Final rankings, the Fujifilm X-T4, most expensive of the bunch, higher specs than the other cameras, Fujifilm has invested strongly in APS-C. Complete lineup, lots of lenses, professional body, nice styling, nice to use and to own. In second place is the 6600, third is the Canon M6 II, and fourth is the Nikon Z50. If you want to get the best, you can get the Fujifilm X-T4, B&H Photo, Adorama, and Amazon US. Next up, why I'm staying with APS-C, myths of primes over zooms, three areas where Fujifilm needs to improve, X-H2 wishlist, and more. This is the roundup. Here is a roundup covering a few topics from differences between full frame and APS-C to wishlist about the Fujifilm X-H2 and recommendations on some areas where Fujifilm must improve, also a video with the X-H2 wishlist. I'll include also a little tips and tricks section. Sorry guys, now I go back to my beer and 
second half of Italy versus Turkey match. <laughs> oh, goodness. Roundup, Petapixel, why I am staying with APS-C from Camera Jabber. When you when use APS-C lenses instead of full frame, I think it's supposed to be when to. Uh, Andrew McCombie photo. I switched from Canon to Fujifilm. My initial thoughts on the Fuji X-T3. DIY photography, why I didn't go full frame and went with Fujifilm. And Keith Wee, three reasons behind Fujifilm's growth in the three areas it needs to focus on for the future. So it is a bit of an interesting take there and some interesting articles on Fujifilm. It's my listeners want to go ahead and check them out. As I mentioned earlier, you can find all of this in the show notes for this episode. Next up, this 3D printed Fujifilm X100V case gives you an X-Pro3 alike hidden screen. I am probably one of the few out there who finds the hidden screen of the Fujifilm X-Pro3 a certain, uh, Certainly audacious, but also interesting concept. And overall, I'd have to choose between a rangefinder like Fujifilm camera with selfie screen or one with the hidden screen. I'd go for the hidden one. Don't get me wrong. I don't hate selfie screens. In fact, it was a true blessing to have one on my X-T4 during my online teaching lessons. But I feel like there are some myths around them that have to be debunked. And I tried to do so in this accompanying article you can check out in the show notes. With that said, if you own one of those, you might want to be, or you who might be intrigued by the hidden screen concept, but own a Fujifilm X100V, then here on Etsy, there is a little 3D printed H100V, X100V case that will hide your screen and make it more like XP, the X-Pro3. The Fujifilm X100B itself, though, is out of stock almost everywhere for several weeks now, and so is lots of other Fujifilm gear, probably mainly due to the shortage on parts announced by Fujifilm. Next up, Fujifilm resumes shipping of orders after cyber attack. Here are the previous episode bullet points. Fujifilm has suffered an unauthorized access to their servers, which forced them to shut down their network. This has caused a delay in shipping of some products. Fujifilm refuses to pay any ransom and restored the servers. Today, Fujifilm issued a statement saying that the network is recovering, and starting from today, they will resume orders for products and services that were partially suspended. It seems like slowly everything is getting back to normal. Notice of delay in delivery due to communication failure and resumption of orders, which I talked about last week in uh, the uh, news and rumors segment. And it looks like Fuji is finally getting back on top of things and getting back to resuming the fulfillment of orders. And last up from Fujifilm for this week, Fujifilm refuses to pay ransom after cyber attack restores servers and reports the attackers to police. Fuji has recently suffered an unauthorized access to their services, which forced them to shut down the network. They also announced the delay in shipping, blah, blah, blah. Now, according to a Fujifilm spokesman who talked to verdict.co.uk, Fujifilm refused to pay any ransom and restored the servers from backups. As a consequence, quote, the company's computer systems in the U.S., Europe, and the Middle East, and Africa are now fully operational and back to business as usual. The company has started bringing its network servers and computers in Japan back into operation and is aiming to be fully up and running this week. It has also restarted some product deliveries, which were particularly hard hit by the cyber attack. 
Quote, Fujifilm Corporation in Tokyo does not comment on the demand, but I can confirm we have not paid any ransom, the Fuji spokesperson said. This is a bold move by Fuji, as if not paid, Fujifilm risks that all the attackers were able to grab will leak at some point or share, be shared with competitors. But Fujifilm Europe told Verdict that, quote, Fujifilm Europe is highly confident that no loss, destruction, or alteration, unauthorized use, or disclosure of our data to or our customers' data on Fujifilm Europe systems has been detected. Well, if Fuji is right, all good. If not, we might get massive leaks soon. Down below, you can also find the latest official Fujifilm statement, and the story can be read at verdict.co.uk. So good for you, Fuji. I hope it works out in your favor, and I hope the police catch up with these clowns. All right, and last but not least, now we're gonna head on over to Sony Alpha Rumors. First up, 2022 Sony World Photography Awards now open for entries. The 2022 Sony World Photography Awards are open and free for all photographers to enter. The competition is divided into four categories, professional, open, youth, and student. In addition to these categories are two initiatives, the Alpha Female Award and the Latin American Professional Award. Learn more about each award below and submit your photos today at worldphoto.org SWPA. So there you go. If you're interested in getting in on the 2022 Sony Photography Awards, now is your opportunity. Next up, Big Father's Day deals at B&H Photos save on SanDisk cards, Tamron, and Sigma E-mount lenses. You can find a ton of Father's Day deals on that B&H Photo page, and which of course will be in the link in the show notes. The list includes savings on SanDisk cards, savings on Tamron E-mount lenses, and saving on Sigma E-mount lenses. To give you an example, the SanDisk 128GB Extreme Pro UHS-1 SDXC memory card, regular price $78.99, Father's Day savings is $45.50 for the price, uh, uh, or for the savings, final price is $33.49, expires $6.12. Okay, so these might be over by the time you guys hear this episode. Uh, the 256 gig model is regularly $99, Father's Day savings of $39, final price is $60.99. So check them out. Next up, Sony 50mm F1.2 G Master preview by Petapixel. It was worth the wait. Petapixel reviewed the new Sony 50mm F1.2 GM lens and concluded, quote, should you buy it? Yes. The specs are unmatched in the Sony system. There are no disappointments with the image quality, and it's a lens that has utility wherever you go. It is an easy choice. You can purchase the lens at B&H Photo, Amazon, Adorama, Focus Camera, Photo Koch, Germany, Calumet, Germany, Photo Earnhardt, Park Cameras, UK, and Jessup's at $1,998. And it looks like Sony has announced their first professional drone, the Sony Airpeak S1. This drone costs $9,000 and will soon be available for pre-order at B&H Photo. Shipments start in the fall and a first real-world presentation will be held on June 14th in Japan. 
Sony launched a special ARP page where you can find that you can find here, uh, which is electronics.sony.com slash And here is also some more info about the controller. I'm not going to go through all of this article because it's fairly lengthy, but it looks like Sony is officially throwing its hat in the ring of professional drones. So this is not a drone for a home user. This is more for studio work uh, for like TV shows and movies, that kind of studio work. So it's a direct competition uh, to the one that DJI currently has on the market, the Inspire series of professional drones. Next up, wild rumor, Tamron 18 to 300 millimeter APS-C e-lens to be coming soon. We just got that very nice new Tamron 11 to 20 f 2.8 APS-C lens, and it looks like we might get another APS-C zoom lens soon. A source told me this, quote, there will be a new Tamron 18 to 300 lens for Sony APS-C in the near future. I have already seen sample images. Sounds like a great travel lens estimated. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I thought I had price here on it, but now that is the price for the 11 to 20. But again, keep in mind, Sony Alpha Rumors does not have the greatest track record for rumor accuracy, so just wanted to caution you there. And last up from Sony Alpha Rumors for this week, Sony Europe launches up to 400 euro cash back. European readers can enjoy this cash back in Germany at Photocotch and Calumet, in UK at Park Cameras and Wex Photographic, and the Netherlands at Calumet. The strange thing is that Amazon offers its own cashback offer on Sony cameras. Here's how to find the deals. On the Amazon DE page, watch for the products marked with Amazon.de. Oh, gosh, I have no idea how you pronounce that. On uh, the Amazon UK page, watch for products marked with Save XXX with Voucher. On Amazon France page, watch for the products marked with Economize XXX. On the Italian page, watch for products marked with Ordina e Rizvisi XXX di credito amazon.it and on amazon spanish page watch for the products marked with ndr alessesta i don't know if i pronounced that right or not if not i apologize to all of my spanish speaking listeners i did not mean to offend all right and that is going to wrap up the news and rumors for this week Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com.
All right. And as I mentioned a moment ago, that's going to wrap episode 159 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Google Podcasts and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. Also wanted to remind you that the first book in my project series, The Forgotten Pieces of Georgia in the Northwest Counties, is now available for sale, has been since this past November. You can pick up a signed copy at the LiamPhotography.net online store, or you can get an unsigned copy at Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. Also, please check out the Liam Photography YouTube channel. Give it a subscribe, watch the videos, like them, share them out, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. Same for the channels for Forgotten pieces of Georgia and Pennsylvania. All right, everybody, I am out of here and I will see you all again on Thursday.